1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I am Subi alongside me, Taylor Dammel here on uh, the last episode, I believe, of August, right? Or no, maybe we'll 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 get. There's 31 days in August. 30 days, Taylor. How many days are there in August?
0: 30, 31,
2: 31. All right, never mind. The second to last episode. Uh, how about of this August.
0: How about the last episode before for football college starts? sports start for the year. College sport. Yeah. We don't have college sports start for the year.
2: That's true. Yeah. Um, we're happy to be back. We're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is. That you use. Your college hooper of the day, former Georgia Tech guard, BJ Elder. BJ Elder, uh, he played four years at Georgia Tech, reached the final four um, with the Yellow Jackets under Paul Hewitt. Everyone always remembers Luke Shensher, they remember Jarrett Jack. Uh, This was, of course, the team that lost to UConn in the title game, but BJ Elder is now currently serving on staff at uh, Georgia Tech with Damon Stodemeyer, but that was a great name a great name and a great player uh, and an instrumental player for that Yellow Jackets team uh, so BJ Elder he is your college hooper of the day check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com to make sure to follow us uh, at CBB Theater to find out where the feat th- is you should also follow Taylor at Taylor Damel let's open the curtains Bring you an interview this episode, uh, but scheduling conflicts have risen. And so you just get us. Taylor, you are here, gutting it out, no worse for wear, after doing some floor work. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your back? You need a bacchiotomy there?
0: Yeah, did some EJ manual labor as a uh, shout out to you for that reference. Yeah, I had to tear up the in-laws floors this last weekend and then today I had to go back over there and take the appliances out of where they sit within your kitchen as the last step of the process before the uh, flooring contractors come in and tear out all the tile floor. And I was just pulling the dishwasher out, pulling the dishwasher out, and then all of a sudden, my lower back went. Ugh! So now I know that of course, and so now, of course, to deal with this, I'm sitting on a six dollar cheap Walmart folding chair on the side of my bed. Uh, here in the office, let's call it, because the in-laws are staying at our house because of this now. So I don't have my usual office space. So my back's my back's rough right now, Mister Superbodian.
2: So, so you gotta you gotta. I didn't know it was that bad when you were telling me about it. Uh, you're, you're sitting on a on a assistance sort of chair right now. I yeah, mean, let me see that.
0: I mean, look at that thing. Oh it's wow. Just, yeah, you know, our budget's not high. Here. <laughs> I hate to I hate to say that out loud to the listeners, but not a super high budget here on, uh, you know, theater and college hoops. So um, I'm putting more of, let's put it this way, the budget that we do have, I'm not putting it into what I sit on. And so today's a bad day for that, but that's okay. Sometimes you just gotta, pl- you gotta play hurt as we've talked about, um, you know, a lot in our lives. Now, let me, let me pivot from this for a moment, if I may assume today, I was boots on the ground at a college campus near me here at Arizona State went to lunch at Petal House Brewing today. Um, just wanted to it was a good reminder that college is back on which means that again of course college football starts here this weekend and college basketball's coming up soon and it's kind of funny how I don't know if you notice like I'm trying to think in in terms of where you live from a location standpoint. You're not really driving or cu- cruising through a college campus very often, are you?
2: I live right by DePaul.
0: Yeah, are you cruising through – I mean, obviously, a campus in Chicago is different than a campus here. That's are true. You, are you cruising by campus regularly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, One of our best okay, friends okay. actually lives right across – that's where I snapped a picture, actually, an absurd oh, yeah. photo of Tony Stubblefield on DePaul's right. like, building. Apparently, right. he is the known as the chairman of the clipboard. I've never heard that, but it is plastered on DePaul's campus. But yeah, I've walked by DePaul plenty of times, uh, especially during the year.
0: So point where I was going with that is today and this week was a good reminder that school is back in session. And even though we talk about that, I was driving through Tempe today and I went to myself, damn it. It's 1255. So like class had just gotten out. I was trying, you know and I'm like oh shoot this is gonna take me <laughs> like 20 minutes to cut across when oh, two weeks ago it was it would have taken five minutes point of this is college campus campuses are back to be to bustling in many places which makes me excited even on the campus of ASU a place I don't love even though Tempe is is a great city to be honest with you and it makes me excited about this weekend or this coming weekend week zero and then of course that the red like for for us Arizona's red blue game is a month and seven days away so that means that like midnight madness is for everybody is starting here soon really gets us gets me ramped up for this program because we're gonna start have to really dive into like the previews the, the all that type of stuff not just like this fall to of like is Cooper flag good <laughs> did, did Trenton flowers call his coach before he decommitted and went to Australia you know not that that stuff's not important but like we're close to seeing actual gameplay on the floor.
2: That's what I'm excited about. I was actually thinking about it and looking at some of my notes and looking at some of the content and and listening to the episodes and editing the clips. A lot of it has been about unproven speculative type of things. And of course that is what the offseason's about, but I'm happy to do that. And I enjoy doing that with folks that I've seen teams that I've seen coaches, players that I've seen and you know how much I hate and don't care about the recruiting chitter chatter. And we're talking about Cooper flag. Who's not even going to be playing this year. He's going to be here next year. He reclassified in order to do so. Trenton flowers, another one who was supposed to be playing, but you know how much I just don't care about unproven commodities and talking about them because no one really knows and talking about unproven teams because a year ago today, no one was talking about San Diego state. No one was talking about, uh, FAU nobody was even talking about UConn that much everyone was talking about Baylor or excuse me not Baylor uh, Creighton because of all the transfer work that they did and Bobby Hur- or Danny Hurley had not won a tournament game at UConn until this this past season so that's three out of your four final teams. you know how much I hate speculation but it is going to be uh, exciting to now start getting into our predictions and thinking about national players of the year, co- coaches of the year, uh, and and getting a better understanding of what these rosters really look like. Because that's the other thing, Taylor. The transfer window is pretty much closed. Like nobody's transferring. Portals closed. All that good stuff. Uh, so we have teams set in stone, which is which is pretty nice. I do want to go back though about something and it's been bothering me. And maybe this makes me not a good fan. And of course, you know that I'm a college basketball guy over everything, but I do love college football. We talk NFL. We talk college football, of course, as well. I don't understand week zero. What the hell does that mean? What is the significance of week zero versus week one? I asked my buddies in the group chat. I was like, confession. I don't know what week zero means. And the only response I got, which is, did not help me whatsoever. Uh, My buddy just goes, "Uh, Notre Dame's playing in some random place. I think they're in Ireland. But that doesn't help me at all. What does week zero even mean? Do you know? Well, I
0: think traditionally college, especially in places other than the Southwest specifically, didn't start until Labor Day weekend. Are you talking
2: school or like sports? School. School. Okay,
0: school. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, traditionally, whatever that means, that's a, talk about an ambiguous term, right? Like, whatever that means, you know, school didn't start until September, meaning that like kids weren't even on campus. So, that's what I would consider to be why week one was always that first September game because that's when school started. Everybody was on campus. Now, as we know, as it's progressed, like I don't even think week zero didn't even exist when we were in college. I
2: don't, maybe I don't, it did. I don't, I don't know. don't,
0: I feel like it didn't. I feel like,
2: th- I, I mean, it has become me- more prevalent over the last few years where it has forced my hand to now ask you and my friends and anyone that's listening to this, why do they call it week zero? Yeah, there's
0: eight games on
2: Saturday this year.
0: Um, you know, I, I, boy, this is, I feel like COVID has at least added a few games to this just because they were expanded the season in 2021, uh, to try and, um, space out the games a little more. I feel like, I don't know. It's another, it's also another way to get another, uh, bye week in there for the student athlete. So I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. And I, I know you're not saying that's necessarily a bad thing either, but I feel like that's a part of it too. Um, the opportunity for these international games for a team like Notre Dame and Georgia tech, right. They're playing. No Navy, Navy. Sorry. The the other wishbone team, uh, our triple option, um, or former triple option team, but, um, triple option. Yeah. I don't even remember, but, uh, (laughs) um, you know, that's a factor too. It's like, you can't go play a game in Ireland in October and then go back home and play USC, you know, in in the next week. Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm for it. I like it. I like the ease into the season, but uh, there's a little lack of like pop and circumstance. I think that comes with it. And that's such a big deal in college athletics. The thing, here's my complaint. Let me pivot off this for one quarter of a second here. My complaint about schools like Oregon or Washington specifically, just cause that's the schools I know best on the West coast. And I have cousins and friends and everybody who went to these schools they start late in the year, like mid-September, late in the year. I think my cousin even said her first class last year was like September 23rd or something. Are they on like quarters? That. Yeah, they're on quarters. Okay. Washington, well, every school in Washington is on quarters. That but think sense. about that. Think about it from a college, bas- or college football perspective. There's a real opportunity. You miss three of your six home games. Yeah, especially, a- the, for, especially for Oregon where you're playing like the sisters of the poor at home for the first week of the year. And then you're playing like the cousins of the poor for the second week of the year. And then you're going to play in a Dallas against someone and then you're back for one and then you're out for two and you're like, well, geez, we already, yeah, we missed like half of the home game season on campus. And I, I don't have the perspective because I obviously didn't go to school at any of these places, but I feel like that just sucks, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, college basketball is great. We love college basketball, but it's, it's certainly not the, um, event that college football is on campus. And so to miss out on potentially half of those event, quote unquote events every year kind of would suck in my opinion. So, um, in that regard, I feel like week zero kind of is terrible for a lot of students because they might not even be on campus yet.
2: Yeah. So I appreciate all of the in-depth uh, analysis and the response. I just don't understand. <laughs> Still didn't answer the question though. <laughs> no, no, it, it, you did. I, I get what you're saying, but I just, just call it week one, please. Just like, that's it. Because if I'm looking at it, if I see a team's one and O after week zero, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever without having played a buy. Right. So if you play, if you've played 16 weeks in the NFL, but you've only played the sum of 15 games. I get that because you've had a buy. It, it just, it, it, it doesn't compute to me. There are some things where I look at it and I'm probably slow. I'm probably an idiot in in thinking about this because it doesn't seem as if other folks are up in arms about it. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, but more power to college football. I know they have a stranglehold on all of that. And it's funny you bring up Oregon, by the way, because one of the first things I remembered from last year, uh, you, you you bring up their schedule in the first couple of weeks. I think they got absolutely bushwhacked by Georgia last year uh, in the, in the opening game and everyone. That's the other thing I, I love about college football. And you kind of mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Taylor, as it relates to just, you know, preseason in the NFL, but even college football, you remember week one last year, Oregon sucks. They're terrible. I think they ended up with two or three losses which is Dan Lanning's first year, Uh, but Oregon's terrible. They're awful. And then my favorite was Brian Kelly and LSU. I think they lost to Florida state week one, potentially. And everyone was jumping on them. Everyone said, Brian Kelly doesn't, doesn't like he's not a terrible fit in Baton Rouge. He's not getting across to the players. Uh, He's too, you know, he's, he's too, uh, stoic and he's too stodgy. He's basically saying he's this white guy from new England who just came over from Notre Dame prim and proper. And that's not how they do things in, in Baton Rouge and look what ended up happening. They won the sec West and they beat Bama. (laughs) Like just give it a second, please week zero week one. Wait till after that.
0: Well, if you look at Oregon last year, the only teams they lost to were Georgia, Washington, and actually a pretty good Oregon state team. So it's really, sure. I mean, all ranked teams, all big bull games for those teams. Uh, here's not to dive down our uh, weekly deep college football dive that we accidentally do, but um, you know that Bo Nix-Auburn-Oregon game was like four years ago already? Speaking of going down to AT&T Stadium and playing there, that that strikes me as wild because I feel like that was a Justin Herbert versus Bo Nix game. And I feel like they're the same age. And and Justin Herbert is a top five quarterback in the NFL and has been for years. And Bo Nix is now at Oregon, and he's got to be twenty four years old at this point. He's still still grinding. Which more power to him. More power. I would be. I would do the same thing if I was him. I'm not. This is absolutely not an anti Bo Nix thing. But I just think it's funny that like after all of this, he's ended up back in Oregon like four years later. Um, and yeah, but, but like you said, Georgia beat Oregon 49 to three in that opening game last year, Oregon won like nine straight games after that. They were just fine.
2: Yeah. Well, to your point about older players, everyone loves to crack jokes on Stetson Bennett and feel free. But why I don't find it funny is because one Stetson Bennett lived the absolute life. He is arguably Georgia football's greatest player when it comes to school, like maybe him, Herschel Walker. Uh, I think he's their greatest quarterback ever. I, I, I don't like, fine. If you want to say Matt Stafford, yeah. Stafford's obviously better, but Stetson Bennett in terms of career accolades, uh, he lived the absolute dream and the life. And the reason why I don't find it funny, here's the main reason Taylor is because if you told Stetson Bennett, like, yeah, dude, you got all that, but you're not shit compared to Lamar Jackson. Who's like two years younger or whatever the age difference is, or maybe they're the same, same age. Stetson Bennett will be like, I know, man. I'm fully aware. I am a backup in this league. Uh, I I understand that there's a lot of far more talented, accomplished pro players, but I live the dream. And some of those guys, and and again, in the long run, it's probably better to have a more successful NFL career, but Zeston Bennett is going to be just fine. No one's looking at him like a bust or anything like that. He might get a statue in Athens. He's doing just fine. So that's why when people crack jokes, it's like, all right, Congrats! I, I don't understand the end goal here. So, how much do
0: you you not like the average person? You specifically, how much do you view a Super Bowl as more important than a college football national championship
2: to someone's personal career? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Super Bowl, a thousand percent. Okay, so where I'm going
0: with this is this might be a dumb question, but I'm totally okay with this. Would you rather be Stetson Bennett or like be remembered like Matthew Stafford? Stafford. Yeah. Still, okay. So just because of the Super Bowl, though. In any other, if, well, if it was a non Super Bowl.
2: And he's wealthy as hell. Kirk Cousins, fine. We'll go with uh, like financially. Yeah. Finan-
0: okay. And like, I guess I could say that take also plays a finan- part. Take the financials out of it, but that's, you can't really take the financials out of it.
2: Well, if you wanted to do that, it'd be a more compelling conversation. But or it's hard you to, to, it's hard to it.
0: separate. It might be, yeah, yeah, it might be a dumb question. It's just hard to take that part out of it because that's the whole goal is to make money. It is kind of interesting. Sesson Bennett's like not even 10 years. At all. Is he even 10 years younger than Matthew Stafford? It is great that he's, he's on the Rams. Be- yeah, Stesson, I know, right? Bennett, which, is, which is even better. Uh, what's what's that? If Aaron Rodgers is like 39, Stafford's got to be what, 36? 37? 36
2: 37 I mean Stafford yeah Stafford I think he's 35. he's 35 he's 35
0: so he's 10 years younger than Stetson Bennett which is hilarious because it feels like their careers were well they were 15 they years. were
2: to right. be <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> <laughs> like, honest I mean I saw I saw something that said Stetson Bennett was on the same Georgia team as Sony Michelle like before yeah, Sony, before Stetson had to 2017, transfer 2017 yeah that is yeah. insane And like Sony Michelle just retired, that's pretty absurd.
0: So, is there any other boy? This is just going off the top. So, if we don't have answers for this, that's fine. But is there any other college person's career that you would have other than Stetson Bennett? That's a tough. That that might be a tougher question.
2: Tebow, maybe. Tebow has the playoffs. I haven't watched. Is Swamp Kings did that come out today dropped last night? It. Four point four part series I will be watching.
0: Yeah, I haven't um, watched it yet. Because we talked about Man and Johnny Mansell, same series last week, but I didn't I haven't watched Swamp Kings yet.
2: So. I mean it just dropped yesterday. So right. yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. might I might dedicate Friday uh to power through those four. I I mean we might see some generational lying from Urban Meyer, which I'm excited about. But no, I mean that's gonna be that's gonna be great. But yeah, maybe TiVo. Um maybe Johnny Manziel. <laughs> are you talking wait, did you say strictly college career? Yeah. Yeah. Cam Newton's up there, man. Vince Young. But
0: Stetson did it twice, Stetson did it twice, is the interesting part too. So during That's the NIL, during NIL too. So not only was he the man on campus, but he was I'm making the money sign right now, the man on campus as well. Yeah. For, in that regard. Like imagine in us in college with like two million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's I mean, bags, Ben's bags, Ben's bags is every 24/7 with 2 million dollars in our pocket.
2: We always do bring it back to having to say, you know, if it's strictly on the field, but you're right, like it's impossible to separate the money cuz again, like Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman winner. <laughs> I'm dead serious, man. Dude, Archie yeah. Griffin runs Columbus with an iron fist, I bet. Like him, Eddie George, like those guys are if you're and here's the thing if you're a legendary college player in a college town you'll have no less than five steakhouses or or airport bars in your name i'm sure so accidentally
0: accidentally almost liar not almost i broke my foot um two years ago in austin on the curb next to uh vince young steakhouse so
2: vince young has one i thought you were gonna say earl campbell
0: No, Vince Young's steakhouse. Yeah.
2: Earl Campbell went to Texas, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Like Eric Dickerson, man. Yeah. All right. We're a college basketball podcast. Let's pivot. I mean, look, if this isn't getting you ready for week zero, uh, I don't know. I don't know what is. All right. Taylor, some really, really cool and encouraging news coming out of tragedy. Okay. I think we all know what's going on in Maui. And I think we may have even discussed on it, touched on it a little bit. Very, very sad scenes, uh, but something that came about this earlier this week that was really inspiring and, and and very neat to watch. Bill Self, he is going to be returning to Champaign uh, to play, have Kansas play Illinois in an exhibition game, and funds are going for to Maui Relief. Taylor, what I want to do? Why don't we go ahead and and show this little uh, this little production here from i think illinois actually uh i think illinois had had put this out but it is really cool Uh, so let me go ahead and uh, share this this video bear with me
3: hey bill
1: hey Hey. scrimmage let's talk we're good on the date yeah, we're, we're good on the date. uh I thought, it, I thought it was great last year, but with everything going on in Maui, Brad, what do you think that we uh, move that scrimmage to actually a public exhibition game and raise a ton of money and send it back to all those people that need so much and are in need right now over in Maui?
3: I think uh, seeing this on the news, the devastation, if we can uh, do our part uh, to make things a little easier, uh, big fan of that. This would be a great
1: idea. It's time for all of us to step up and do something for for somebody else that's done so much for us over the years.
3: Let me ask you this. What's your thoughts on the return of Bill Self and do it at our place in Champaign, come back, where you paced the sidelines for a few years and had tremendous success? You got any interest in doing that?
1: Let's move the scrimmage into Assembly Hall. I'm all for it. You, you, You figure out the logistics the Jayhawks will show up.
3: So you don't embarrass yourself. It's no longer Assembly Hall. We've changed it to the State Farm Center. We'll be glad to host you with a welcoming crew of about 15,600 as you make the return back to Champaign.
1: And what I will do is I will make sure that Hunter Dickinson knows that if there's a chorus of an unpopular negative chant whenever Kansas enters the court, I'll make sure I walk in with Hunter and tell him they're all for him and he won't know any difference. So that'll be a good way to do it.
3: Bill, that is one of the smartest things I've ever heard you say. We'll see you soon.
1: Look forward to the game. All right, bud. Take care, man. Thanks.
2: Great stuff there. Great stuff there from two coaches. Uh, Taylor, your thoughts on Bill Self going back to State Farm? No, I'm, ca- I'm calling it assembly. Sorry, Coach Underwood, but uh, I'm, I'm not calling it State Farm Arena. What are your thoughts there on that little exchange?
0: Well, as much as I hate to support our new conference rival, Bill Self, and the Kansas Jayhawks, this is a really phenomenal idea. Um, and what a way. I don't I don't necessarily think anybody – I think the Bill Self going back to Illinois thing's a little overplayed because it was 20 years ago now, and he was only there for three years. Hot so take I, already raining I mean, on just, this parade. I'm just throwing that out there that I feel like 10 years ago, this would have been a bigger deal than it is. That being said – I think this is an awesome idea I, i'm trying to make this into a complimentary thing to say like this is a great idea for his comeback to champagne is make it worth something to people that aren't even you know necessarily illinois fans or kansas fans specifically anything maui related um you know support wise has been really cool especially um, for these two programs, which have been programs that have participated in the Maui Invitational, which I'm sure is the seminal part of of all of this. Um, the Maui Invitational is such a big deal, as we've previously talked about. Um, so even just last week or two weeks ago, we talked about how, how big the Maui Invitational has been um, as a college basketball tournament over the years. So, of course, not happening this year, you know, a, 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 assumedly, you know, at this point. Um, so to do something in place of that or however you want to phrase that to fill the shoes of the of the maui invitational wall so giving back to a community that's given so much to the programs of illinois and kansas is is really a, a wonderful touch you know i i, I hope that uh, you know a school like us in arizona a, a duke some of these other schools that have uh, syracuse has always been a big one there in maui as well um i i hope that this is a um a seed that's been planted in college basketball to do more of this type of stuff. I wish the only, I guess my only negative thing I would say is that I wish the game counted for something other than that. But I mean, that's who cares? You know, really just, just like a nerdy college basketball person would care about that. The point of this is that it's for something. It's going to generate a lot, a ton of money. It is going to uh, be a fun topic of discussion a, about a week and a half or so, let's call it, before the college basketball season starts. And it'll be interesting to see how much of a discussion point it is as the season goes on. Like, do people talk about, like, if, let's say Illinois and Kansas are both very good this year, which is a, a possibility, right? Like, well, you know, they did beat Illinois, or Illinois did beat them really. So I wonder if anyone, you know, how that topic of discussion comes up. But no, I think it's a really wonderful idea, you know, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that this is not no hot takes as a part of this segment um, other than the Bill Self one at the beginning. But I think it's a great idea. And I hope if possible, I know we're a little late in the game, but I hope if possible, some of the teams that have regularly participated in the Maui Invitational can follow suit in some capacity to, to create some kind of event like this as well.
2: Yeah. I, I thought this was really neat how the production team or whomever, the social media team put this out. I thought that was pretty fun. And, uh, and, and Bill self, like he's just, I, I love Bill self. He's so gregarious. He's got that, that Oklahoma accent on him. Uh, and he he puts in a ties in uh, Hunter Dickinson as well, but him returning is going to be a lot of fun, and it's it's a win win win, right? It's a win for the fans, it's a win for both programs, the coaches, and like when I say the programs, I, I also mean ironing iron sharpening sharpening iron. Excuse me, I can't talk, but those two teams, this is going to be a high level exhibition for sure. You had mentioned how how good we expect them both to be in two very competitive leagues, right? I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Coleman Hawkins going up against Hunter Dickinson. And and look, obviously you want to keep it civil, but this is a big 10 return for Hunter Dickinson as well. A guy who has never beaten Illinois, which is, again, these are all just funny little subtextual items that don't mean anything anything compared to what the real purpose of this is. And that's of course for Maui relief. Uh, I, th- I think Taylor, what I find so striking and so inspirational is how just that tournament, how the Maui invitational has impacted and touched programs, right? This is just a preseason invitational, but it, it shows how much higher in regard I think people hold it in and how much more history it holds, than let's say a battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas, or pretty much any of these other uh, invitationals or tournaments. Okay, because like you would mention, there's there's familiar faces and familiar programs that participate in the Maui Invitational in Illinois and Kansas, Kansas for sure. I feel like we see Kansas there every three four years, and you know for a fact that that what the devastating fires in Miami have touched these two programs and have touched these two coaches. Maui. What did I say? Miami. <laughs> oh goodness. Maui.
0: Sorry. <laughs> just
2: no, I needed that. That that's true. But you know uh, th- that it's touched these two coaches to make them do this. Right. I don't know if anything else. And, and and of course I would have rather bill self come to Champaign under far different circumstances, but it shows you the magnitude of that, of, of that Island and that tournament and what it has on these other programs. And to your point, I would like to see other programs and schools and teams contribute in some way, right? I'd love to see UConn or Arizona do some sort of fundraiser. And I'm not necessarily asking for a scheduling uh, because like you said, it is August 23rd, but figure out a way to donate some funds uh, obviously to, to the good folks in, in Maui. But I just think this, this is going to be really fun. I've I've never really been excited about exhibition games, right? Speculative stuff going back to that, but knowing uh, what is at stake. And then of course, knowing the, the personnel that's involved, I think it's great. So I'm on the Maui
0: Invitational website as we speak right now. And um, the, the intro page now says we've been monitoring the wildfire situation in Maui. Like, stay tuned for um, more. I can't imagine that they're still going to do this on Maui this year. Uh, you know, the Lahaina, it's the Lahaina Civic Center. Like, pretty much everything around the Lahaina Civic Center burned down, unfortunately. Um, so there's no... And that would be kind of disingenuous isn't the word, but you're a better wordsmith than I am. But, you know, it, it, I don't feel like it would be right to still do that there in November. Hey, everybody come in and celebrate. Well, the entire town around us is still like trying to rebuild, but I wonder what they can do this year. And wow. And speaking of, and no wonder I think that they're such a big part of the program, like Kansas and Syracuse are supposed to be part of the Maui Invitational this year, uh, along with Tennessee, Purdue, Marquette, Gonzaga, and of course, um, uh, Chaminade, excuse Chaminade. me. Yep. Um, so I wonder, you know, they'll in years past, I feel like they didn't do this during COVID. I think they moved it to LA or somewhere on the on the mainland uh during yeah. covid but I wonder I, I hope they do the same thing this year as long as that's what the people of Maui want if they if the people of Maui want them to come then then more power to them then then let's make it happen but I hope that it's one of those situations where 100% proceeds go back to Maui not even the Lahaina civic center and to rebuild basketball. Cause that just really pales in comparison to the importance of everybody else. But I feel like that would be cool. I hope that the Maui Invitational becomes this year specifically and probably for the next couple of years, unfortunately like as something that just is a supporter of the Maui or in the Lahaina community specifically, I I've been to Maui a good amount of times. Fortunately, you know, many of them, not my doing uh, more of the parents doing of being there, but um, uh, I don't think they really even have another facility on the island that would kind of h- be able to host something like this. And so hopefully the Maui invitation, at least for the this, this year and maybe next year, who knows, you know, becomes something where it's just a fundraising event to 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 get Maui back on its feet and to then create in the future when the timing is appropriate to get college basketball back there. Because I think what you said was spot on. There's no historical significance to battle for Atlantis or the wooden invitational, even though it has John Wooden's name on, it doesn't mean anything or, you know, the only other one that at this point in time, really that I can think of off the top of my head that has any historical significance is like the NIT preseason NIT at, at MSG. Mm -hmm. Other than that, like, yes, the, the Boca Raton classic doesn't really move the needle. And, you know, even the champions classic doesn't mean really, as we've talked, as we we talk about the champions classic a lot and uh, unintentionally, I guess. Um, that means nothing to me. You know, it's cool. It's a cool spectacle, but from the historical standpoint, it's not like, like the Maui Invitational or like we've talked about, like the great Alaska shootout back in the day was big for me. And that was the other big tournament at the time. It no longer exists, but that was the other big tournament at the time. So hopefully again, to beat this dead horse here. And let me say it for the 17th time is hopefully it's becomes just a fundraising event to get everybody back uh, to where they need to be, or at least as close as, you know, we possibly can come up with at this point.
2: Yeah. I'm going to need to see Underwood and Bill self in Hawaiian gear talking. That would be great. That that would be a great touch. You're right. Absolutely should do that. Uh, Maybe like warm up in something Maui themed Hawaiian themed. I think that would be, that would be really neat. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure the bright orange, like the orange crush will be out. There for the Illini fans, but I think it's a really cool opportunity uh, for both of them, and I'm glad they're doing it. I I, I want to see coaches do more of this. And I feel like Taylor, we've just been beaten down, honestly, with so much bad news as it relates to college basketball coaches, head coaches, and what they've been getting into this off season. That this was a really nice palate cleanser, and. Going to Brad Underwood and going to Bill Self should have been the like that. It shouldn't surprise me at all. Two of the better guys in the business, two great winners, two two guys that have built programs and and parlayed them into you know really good success. Uh, Oklahoma State might have an issue with Brad Underwood, but outside of that, you know, I these are two guys that I think majority of college basketball likes, and um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping this goes off goes off there without a hitch. The Hunter Dickinson thing though, that's, that's going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be fun. Like, I And I think it's a perfect balance in the sense that this is an exhibition game. It doesn't mean anything outside of the funds going to Maui, but there's also that balance of, despite the fact that this is an exhibition game, Illinois fans hate you, Hunter. <laughs> Illinois fans are going to rain down on you. And, I guarantee you Hunter Dickinson is saying to himself, yeah, I'm pumped to get one more chance to go back and and this is for a good cause, but I I got to think a little part of him is just like, man, I I got rid- I got out of this conference where I've just been a villain for the past 3 years. Like and now I'm going back and potentially he's going to use this as an opportunity to exercise some demons, but even if he does and he beats Illinois, <laughs> it's not going to count. Well, I
0: think there's I mean, does Oklahoma State have problems with both of these coaches? Not even just Underwood? I mean, Bill Self's an alum. <sighs> I, I don't know. I, more so but, Underwood, I would uh, say. Yeah, no, he, like, he spent a I'm year just, and then he was off. I'm just saying the connections there, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, what would be really smart to do in this situation, even though I'd be surprised if they did it because they don't really know what they're doing, but ESPN should just start college game day a week early week and, zero yeah is this week zero of college yeah what a great segue so if you're a professional you've done this before this is episode 208 no wonder okay no so wonder no, no wonder we've gone this far um no but i think that would be awesome thing to do too is high you know espn highlight it um college game day type of experience it doesn't need to be it's probably going to be on a saturday which means there's going to be uh, is it on a saturday
2: I'm not sure when the exact date is, to be honest. Yeah, with. but I just know it's happening.
0: Um, but do it if it, even if it is on a Saturday. Do the college game day. Just you know, put it on ESPN, the Ocho or something. You know, like whatever. Just put it on ESPN. You cut out the Wyoming Nevada game that you were going to have on that day for football, and just do it. It yeah noon with call with and do an hour it doesn't have to be a full college game day but just like a kind of like a skeleton staff college game day set up a desk throw reese davis out there and you know and Jay will and say hey here's what's going on please donate here blah 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 same thing they do with like the jamie v classic just play like a five minute video before it do a little college game day segment about the hurt that's going on in maui why the maui invitational is so important and then go into the exhibition game. I think that would be a really good way to kind of like tie a bow on this whole thing.
2: I'll tell you what, Taylor. Last year, they cut away from college football for much more meaningless nonsense. Uh, If you guys recall, Aaron Judge chasing the Maris's. Right? Roger Maris's home run. To so watch
0: him strike out twenty eight times in a yeah. row before he hit the home run.
2: Yeah. So look, if we can cut away from college football for that, we can certainly do it for this. All right. And I am going to be one of those guys that's like like my sport because you're right. There's going to be some hardos out there saying, "No, what about uh, this this Mountain West football game?" Enough. No, I I'm gonna I, I'd rather watch this scrimmage. be totally and brutally honest with you but really neat gesture i'm looking forward to this and and hopefully some more coaches get in on the action there t um let's move on now i want to give some shout outs this has been a couple weeks now in the making all right some great friends of the program we'll start with best friend of the program who we deemed i think this was last year mike burgomaster a couple weeks ago was promoted at auburn he is now an assistant coach Incredible work. Burgo, I want to give you a huge shout out. Also, Ruben Williams. Ruben Williams, when we interviewed him, he was on staff at Arkansas under Eric Musselman. He is now an assistant coach at Montana. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the paw prints that Burgo puts on the Tigers. All right. Uh, He is the offensive coordinator, I think, is is another one of his roles. And then Ruben Williams, just getting another opportunity. Ruben's man. He's, he's probably younger than Stetson Bennett, to be honest with you. And he's going to do amazing things at Montana. I'm so happy for those guys, so thrilled for those guys, and I know they're going to continue climbing uh, the ranks. So big shout-out to Burgo and Reuben Williams. T, I don't know if you want to jump in there as well.
0: So I hate this word because everybody overuses it so much in their regular-ass job that they have. But like to do what these guys do – is such a grind to daily and I hate rising grind like no you you going to your nine to five job I'm sorry is not a grind like that's just a job that's just what you're paid to do right so I I'm not a huge fan of the word grind as it relates to what a normal person does to pay their bills right but the what these guys have to do is quite quite specifically a grind though it is a it is a 24 seven in, in a lot of capacities, especially on the recruiting trail and the scouting trail of your next opponent. I mean, it is a constant, um, yeah, grind, grind. I, it is the word that works here, right. You know, to, to, to learn everything you can about each individual opponent, as well as the hundreds of people that you're recruiting, hundreds of high school kids that you're recruiting on a year to year basis. Um, and whether, You know, hundred sounds like a lot, but I know Burgo sitting there watching probably hundreds of people's tapes, and whether he's going to recruit them or not, it might only be a five minute tape he gets right, but he's got to go, you know, assumedly watch all of these things. So, um, it is a thankless job in a lot of ways. I would, I would think, Um, and it is a job that probably requires sixteen hours of the twenty four that you're allotted on a per day basis, and then so to also have kids wives, husbands, however, you know, whatever, a, a personal life, a friend or two in there, even, you know, making time for this yeah, stupid yeah, podcast, to come to our dumb little podcast, yeah. like Virgo does. And all these guys do. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so it's very impressive. And it's super it makes me super happy. Um, you know, especially in the time of our lives, you know, in our mid 30s, where we kind of we, we certainly have things a little more figured out than we did five years ago, but not like that much, you know, <laughs> you know, like I have a kid coming in three weeks and like, I have any idea more so than two years ago, what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. You know, so, but it, it, it's really cool to see these guys, especially in that age group. Um, and people that, you know, like you've known Bergo for a long time, um, you know, in some, in some capacity. And so to see them get to a level of success where they're, um, you know, what's, what did they say about the vice president, one breath away from the presidency. And that's not what I'm trying to say, you know, in a negative manner as it relates to the head coaches of these teams. But I mean, they're right there now that right. that's, that, that's pretty cool is to say that, yo, you are on the actual doorstep of leading a program by yourself is a pretty monumental thing to be able to say. So I, I would, you know, long winded, it's a very impressive thing that these guys have done to be able to get to the level that they're at, especially, especially at the programs that they're at.
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the programs because those are two winning programs, especially recently. If we talk about Auburn, they're a top four seed pretty much every damn year. And they're pumping out. They're pumping out NBA players now. All right. So Auburn is has it, basketball. They got expectations now. Montana, Ruben Williams, he also came from a winning culture at Arkansas, a couple elite eights. Now at Montana, right? These are these are teams that are expected to go to the dance. And Montana, for the most part, you have to win your conference tournament. And they do that pretty much uh, every other year at, at the very least. And I, I want to unpack one other part of your answer, and it's the thankless part. And you're right. I totally understand what you're saying because they don't get the plaudits, they don't get the interviews. They don't get the the halftime uh, interviews or the post game interviews, anything like that. But what I do find really, really neat is in following these guys. They get shouted out by top level players, and they get shouted out by pros. You talk about if you if if we were lucky enough to have Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler on here, and not Walker Kessler, uh, is it Walker Kessler? Why am I blanking on his name? It's Walker Kessler, right? Yeah, I'm thinking of Kessler. I thought I was uh, mixing him up with Kessler Edwards out of Pepperdine. Good <laughs> lord! If we were lucky enough to have Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler on this program, we would just dropped Burgos' name. I bet they would have so many great, bright, amazing stories to tell about him. If we were to talk to Nick Smith Jr., right, he probably would have some. Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Brewer who's on staff at Arkansas. He'd have some amazing things to say about Reuben Williams. So I think it's really, really cool that, yes, it is a thankless job, Taylor, but the people that they do get thanks from are the ones that really count and are the ones that are truly, truly important. So Reuben Williams, Mike Master congratulations on the next step. Keep killing it. I can't wait to see them both rise. And that, that goes for every assistant coach that we've had, right? Jeremy Pope, Ben Gonzalez, a couple weeks ago, I know Brett McConnell is going to be ahead. I'll, I'll put my life on Brett McConnell being a head coach uh, over there at Princeton, but I really wanted to shout out those two. And if I were to take it a step further, Burgo who may have been the first real big name person with access to a D1 team like he does at Auburn, come onto the program.
0: So you were close to spot on with Montana too. It's 11 of the last 32 years. So once every three years, essentially yeah. for Montana making the tournament. No, I but I'm, I'm in complete support of that. Like they are a legitimate basketball program. Uh, them and Eastern Washington have essentially alternated in that conference, a couple of sacks dates from time to time um and a montana state as well in there uh making those tournament appearances but they that's a that's not a program that's just to sign up anybody and hopefully it works out like they have a a a pretty sustained tradition of success and they have a number of great coaches that have bounced out of there over the years like larry kastowiak um wayne tinkle all you know michael ray richardson all guys who got you know, not only played there, but coached there as well, you know, and, and, and then went on, you know, Wayne Tinkle was at Oregon state, um, Larry Kastrolyak's at Utah, you know, was at Utah, uh, big, big program. So it's, it's a great feeder program for those type of, uh, uh, those type of larger steps. And so it's, it's, it's awesome. That's why I think it's so cool is because you're just sitting there, you know, right on the edge of like the, let's call it the precipice of like, the coaching pyramid top of the coaching pyramid and Matt, what a, what a cool, and that's Montana. I'm not even talking about Auburn who's in the sec, you know, and who has been a final fours and stuff recently. So yeah, pretty awesome for those guys and, and super excited that we've had them here on the program. And, and hopefully they don't, they don't forget about us when they get those head coaching jobs in the future.
2: Uh, I won't, won't, won't. Yeah, I know not, won't.
0: we're not going to let burgo forget about this. So. Well,
2: I'm just going to keep tweeting. Congratulations. And first of all, it is out of genuine happiness and thrill that I do that. But th- uh, look, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie those, those tweets where I'm congratulating them. Like a small portion of me is like, Hey, don't forget us, by the way, please don't well, forget us.
0: Let me, let me direct this to my real life for a second. Okay. <laughs> it's like as a realtor, when you sell someone, their first home or when you rent them a house and you say, Hey, let's keep this relationship alive because I was here at the beginning with you. So let's make sure when you get to that dream home in the future, that like i was supporting you at the beginning right and was helping you along so same thing with this podcast that's all we're
2: hoping for that's a stretch <laughs> we had zero impact on their car- career trajectories. Is, hey remember when we talked for 45 minutes
0: that one time when you were an assistant coach and it changed your life or not i don't know you know but just well, think about us as you as you go forward you butterfly know?
2: effect right <laughs> what if you didn't come on to titch Probably would be uh, – they'd probably both be head coaches by now, actually.
0: They'd probably be like, yeah, we missed a call from the number one recruit in the country while well, <laughs> we're on your, your little program, so thanks for that.
2: Hey, shout-out David Miller, too. We love David Miller there, Xavier, also. Uh, but, yeah, Burgo, Ruben Williams, congratulations on on your uh, success and wishing you many more years of success. Taylor, let's get out of here. Unfortunately, I'm kind of doing like a, a, a sad sandwich almost in the sense that we we talked a little bit about Maui. Um, But now we're going to end it on some really devastating, terrible, sad, just awful news out of Houston. Reggie Cheney passed away. Uh, Reggie Cheney, uh, formerly of the Houston Cougars, and also Arkansas, who I wouldn't be surprised if Ruben has some sort of connection with as well, uh, dies at 23. We don't know the cause of death. I'm, I'm not here to speculate or think about why he's no longer with us. It's just incredibly sad. Uh, Just as a person, first and foremost, how young he is. 23, man. 23 years old, passing away. And and we remember him playing in that sweet 16 game against Arizona. I think he had a really impactful and effective six points. Maybe I think he had three offensive rebounds that game. That's like, that may not seem like a crazy stat line to you, but that's how impactful he was. And then he was also part of that final four team. Right. And so Reggie Chaney, when I think of Reggie Chaney and when I saw him play, he was the epitome of Houston Cougar toughness. Anytime you go up against Houston, you are going to be in a rock fight okay you are going to be in an absolute battle it's not going to be pretty you're going to be scratching clawing and and it's going to be a lot of blood and and knuckles all right and reggie cheney if there was one player that epitomized that or personified it it was reggie cheney and i feel like a, a ton of tributes have been have been coming out he was relentless as eric musselman has described him um, and just an all time, all time competitor. Yeah, you know, he was
0: uh, Reggie Chaney was sixth man of the year last year uh, in the Big Twelve, and um, you're, you hit it spot on. He was kind of one hey, of those. Hey. Or yeah, excuse me. Yeah, no, that's all right. Whatever conference everybody's in, yeah, right now he was supposed to go be uh, play basketball in Greece next year or this this year professionally. Um, so he was making career out of this, uh, which is always good to see. And, yeah, you know, it's just sad when, when we see any of these guys who have entered entered our lives, which is a really strange way to put that. But this someone who I've watched play basketball for quite a long time and um, was a member of a very prominent team that we've talked about quite a bit recently, So um, and recently being over the last couple of years. So you don't feel like you know these guys necessarily, but, like, you're very aware of these people. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just never a good – um you know he's found unresponsive in his apartment who knows you know I mean there's no speculation necessary here on this program about that it's just sad whenever this happens young person's life that was you know had some opportunities ahead of them and those are no longer and yeah that's it's it's very sad to see when there's a member of this little community that we are on kind of a part of or not or something we certainly care about. And uh, to see something unfortunate happen to these guys who kind of dedicate their lives to something that we just watch and find as entertainment is 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 a very sad thing. So yeah, no, it's it's um it's it's certainly upsetting, and obviously you hate to sound cliche, but definitely some thoughts towards towards that family, towards their family as they figure out you know what happened and how to go from here.
2: Yeah, I, I think the most gut wrenching part is like I had mentioned his age, of course, but so much in front of him after he had accomplished so much at Houston. Like I said, being part of such a great team, six man of the year. And then he's about to go pursue his professional dreams after working his entire life for this. And it, it unfortunately was ripped away.
0: Well, thank all those guys we just talked about as assistant coaches who started as grad assistants who did, you know, whatever, like, you know, a lot of basketball former basketball players find a lot of avenues to 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 stay within the sport as best as they can. You know, whether it's an assistant coach, a scout, a, you know, whatever it may be, even if it's not a head coach, eventually what whatever. And who knows, that could have been on the table as well. But uh, yeah, just to see uh, one of those guys leave this leave that that college basketball community is certainly a sad thing.
2: Yep. Rest in peace to Reggie Cheney. Uh, we'll be sorely missed and and we enjoyed watching you play and everything we've heard. Obviously we don't know him personally, but everything we've heard uh, as he was an exemplary young man. So rest in peace uh, there to to Reggie Cheney. All right, Taylor, let's go ahead, get on out of here. Time running out on us. Uh, I want to let you guys know we have a few segments brewing new segments brewing for the upcoming season. Stay tuned. Uh, we are almost there. Uh, I had miscalculated my dates at the beginning of the program. So I know that we'll have one more episode before we hit September, but then once it's September, we're going to start the scuttlebutt and the speculation and the thoughts on predictions. All right. So stay tuned for that. We will catch you next time here. Go ahead, Taylor. Did you have
0: something oh, else? Oh, I was gonna say. Sorry, I, it's not that important because it's more of a. I don't. I don't. I hate to bring me up at this time, but <laughs> oh yeah, add, go ahead. We want to add things as a positive note. We're within range of due date here, so not only are we this. This is the last basketball or podcast before college sports start this year. Very well could be the last podcast before I'm a father, which is to min to my co-host and many of our listeners is probably a very very str- uh, scary thing you know oh, i got so. a big
2: i got a big <laughs> smile on my face now when you say we're in range are we talking like steph curry jimmer Fredette range oh
0: yeah oh it's september 9th so we're two and a half weeks so that's like that's only like two steps inside half court so it's definitely we're within like a deep jimmer deep or normal steph curry uh <laughs> Steph Curry range here yeah so uh especially if Steph's if Steph's taking the shot we're definitely within we're with like Trey Young has that range but we're missing we're missing nine of those so I'm not going to be too worried about it but if Steph's taking the shot yeah we're within range all
2: right so as we continue to create that's what you might need to tweet this out the range okay so like right now we're at Steph Jimmer range I don't know in a week's time maybe we're at a regular three point shot or maybe even an elbow jumper like richard hamilton uh and Shawn then livingston sean well he didn't go to college though
0: oh uh, well okay sure
2: we got we got it we got to shout out the college guys but look okay. sean livingston okay. legend i love you uh but and then like i don't know september that, 7th or something until like, we get Zach to like ha- range has seemed the beat <laughs> just yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. A, a, a
0: Dewan, we're within the Dewan Blair range of <laughs> of okay, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And we're hoping that our daughter has more ACLs than DeWan Blair did. At least you know, at least one or two more than DeWan Blair did. But yeah, I will maybe I'll work on that tonight. Okay. We'll come up with a range of each each every other day, let's call it. Uh we got about yeah, twelve uh fifteen days left. So we'll move we'll move inside each uh each every other day let's go every other day i I don't i didn't mean to extend it this long i apologize no that's fine
2: i i just don't want danielle to get like sam young pump faked right and like you gotta you gotta wait for the baby to come after 48 hours or whatever it is just like drive to the hole
0: i'm just hoping that labor and delivery isn't uh syracuse
2: yukon from back (laughs) oh see this is good this is really good stuff. We're going to get out of here on that. Thank you for listening. As always, we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.